Bible. A deeper dive into the books of the Bible. Greetings and welcome to Pondering the Bible. I'm your co-host, Ken Corkins, and with me, as always, is my longtime friend and pastor, Rocky Ellison. Hello. This is Season 6, Episode 3, and we pray that we're sponsored by the Holy Spirit. Amen. How are you doing? I am I am overwhelmed with paperwork. <laughs> hey, that's always fun. I do the same thing at work now, trying to track down how this thing got messed up and it crosses multiple teams and... I'm trying to figure it out, and I'm new at the job, so I don't really know all the ins and outs yeah, of where everything might yeah, be, and yeah. I'm just spending my days <laughs> going in circles because this trouble ticket spurs, this trouble ticket dribbles that, and then goes to a different team, and they have their string of tickets. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't follow it and figure out where it went wrong. Anyway, um, so we're still in the book of Mark. Yes. And what chapter and verses are we covering this week? Still in chapter one, and we're picking up right where we left off last uh, week, where verses 16 through 20 this time. And as on most weeks, it really doesn't matter what your translation is. They'll be very, very close. So I'm reading from the NLT. Okay. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. Amen. All right, so... We just left last week. He got baptized and went to the wilderness to be tempted. Right. And then we turn around. That was down south because yeah, he that, was in Jerusalem. Yeah. He was actually out in the wilderness south of Jerusalem, uh, you know, between uh, Jerusalem and uh, some of the, the the barren wasteland down there. That's why they called it the wilderness. But, but then suddenly, boom, we're <laughs> way up north. Yeah. Walking along the Sea of Galilee. Yes. Give us a little bit of a context for that, if you wouldn't mind. It, between verse 15 and verse 16, an entire year passes by. Uh, Jesus spends that year down in Jerusalem. We wouldn't know about this if not for the Gospel of John. Jesus spends a year down in the southern part of the country. Um, Causing trouble. He no. is. Well, you <laughs> well, know, to a, to a degree, he is. He's very closely attached to John the Baptist. And John the Baptist has started something of an anti-church movement. It, you know, it, you don't need the church. Uh, you just need God. Come to me and I will grant you, God will grant you salvation. Uh, and you don't ever have to ask the church for that again. Uh, and the Messiah will give you complete and total salvation. And so, the church authorities have a really bad opinion of John, and suddenly Jesus and him are bumping shoulders all the time. They're uh, down at the river every day, the two of them, uh, and a lot is going on. John has disciples. He's beginning to push some of these disciples to leave him and attach themselves to Jesus. Uh, Jesus is meeting some of the religious higher-ups. Some like him, like Nicodemus. Some don't. Uh, like Ananias, and, and so he's he's setting the the stage uh, for what's going to happen in another two and a half, three years, and eventually they begin 
a little bit of a persecution of him, according to the Gospel of John, and it's not the right time for Jesus to go to the cross, so he heads north to Galilee and begins the ministry that we're reading about now in Mark. So it was, and begins again, if you will, up north, just to kind of let things simmer down a bit. Things are just simmer down now. Right. Uh, simmer down so he can get, because he's got a lot of stuff to do before he gets to the cross. You know, yeah. He, Even though that's what Peter wants us to do is get to the cross. But yeah. there is some time in there. It yeah. didn't happen. You know, he was baptized and he was crucified. Woo, what a great, what a great guy. <laughs> he moves out of Pontius Pilate's territory and he moves into Herod Antipas's territory. And so that kind of takes the heat off for a while. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so... Like I said, he's walking along the Sea of Galilee, and what's significant about that? What's interesting, the Sea of Galilee had three different names. Um, If you lived on the eastern side of the shore, you weren't in Israel anymore. The middle of the lake, you left Israel and you moved into into a foreign land uh, of Gentiles. And so, they called it Lake Gennesaret. Hmm. If you um, weren't from the north, if you weren't from Galilee— you were supposed to call it Lake Tiberias uh, in about 18 to 20 AD. So when Jesus is is about 25 years old, uh, Herod Antipas gets himself in real trouble with the Roman emperor Tiberius. And Tiberius is just about to fire him and bring in somebody else to run that, that quarter of Israel. And so to appease Tiberius... Herod Antipas builds a brand new city on the western shore of the lake, and he names that Tiberius, and then he renames the the Sea of Galilee Lake Tiberius. (laughs) So, uh, that's what everybody that doesn't live up north calls it. The people that actually live in the vicinity still call it by the old name, the Sea of Galilee, and they refuse to change that. It's not a Roman lake. It is not a pagan lake. So, it's not Gennesar. It's not Tiberius. It's now, you can call me Ray, or you can call me Jay, or you can call me Johnny. It's the Sea of Galilee. Uh, and the fact that that's what it's named here in Mark is one of the reasons why we still believe Peter dictated the gospel. John Mark is from Jerusalem. To him, it was Lake Tiberias. The fact that it's called the Sea of Galilee in the text tells us it's somebody from up north that is dictating the story, somebody like Peter. Right, because we talk about Peter coming up here. To say, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's what he he knows it as. The other thing that's kind of interesting, uh, and, and you'll see this in artwork, is Jesus walks along the shore, and he sees Simon and his brother throwing nets into the water. And it doesn't say that they're in a boat. It just says throwing nets into the water. And so, in a lot of artwork, you'll see them standing on the shore just throwing their nets out there. Uh in other artwork, you'll see them in a boat, but just barely off the shore, close enough that Jesus could talk to them without right. screaming. Uh, and, and no one knows for sure then, um, or in, in according to the Gospel of Mark, we don't know, did they have a boat or not? Thank heavens for the other Gospels. They tell us, yes, Peter had a boat. Jesus frequently sat in that boat and preached to the shore. Mm-hmm. So, yes, there was a boat. And so, that's the more accurate artwork when you see it, <laughs> where they're just offshore. Now, they wouldn't have been very far. You and I have talked about this before. Yeah. A lot of people couldn't swim, including fishermen, and that just kind of— Yeah, it boggles my mind. You know what boggles my mind? 
It, it yeah. does, <laughs> that you would become a fisherman without being able to swim. But the vast majority of people could not swim. So even fishermen tried not to get their boats so far away from shore that if they fell out, they would be over their head. <laughs> no, no fishing deeper than neck deep. Huh? Yeah. It's yeah. interesting. You don't think about that and. You'd think that the better fishing would be out deeper, but I'm all bet it I would was. think it would. And, and be, so but. I'm sure that the guys who who were a little more confident or a little more daring had better catches because yeah, I can't believe that close to the shore was the best fishing. But then if you think to the 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 feeding of the five thousand and the seven thousand, they had two little fish. And that was probably kind of the common catch was these little t- smaller fish, if you will, that would be caught near the shore because right. they nest near the shore. Exactly. Whereas the bigger fish tend to nest deeper in the in the water. So right. smaller fish would be the common type of fish that you'd see at markets to be eaten. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, so that seems reasonable. Um, they're fishermen, right? Yes. And what do we know about that? Um, we've talked about some, some job categories or some professions in, in the historical context. What do we know about fishermen? We know that they were... Uh, way better respected than like uh, shepherds or tanners or or any of those despised. Wouldn't take much. Yeah, <laughs> fairly well respected, um, but particularly in Capernaum, it, it was a tough job. You went out and caught fish, brought them back. And immediately you had to take them to the Roman market. You weren't allowed to take them to a Jewish market. And the Romans picked through and took the best fish and then paid you really crappy prices for right. the best fish. And whatever was left, the the substandard fish, that's what you got to keep and sell to the Jews. And so there was a lot of real anger that that the Romans are taking the very best of our catch and, and all we're left is the junk fish out of our own lake uh, to, to eat. And so that made a lot of people really, it made fishermen really angry against the Romans. And when you got paid by the Romans, they turned around and taxed you. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Then you had to pay a, a tax on it. Exactly. Um, we know that they would have been um, reasonably well educated for that day and time like not college educated but maybe the the equivalent of like a high school degree okay um and their their knowledge of the bible would be only what they learned in synagogue school on on saturdays so that would depend a lot on their rabbi if they had a really bible oriented rabbi they might know quite a bit of bible if their rabbi was more into you know preaching about emotions and flowery sermons then Probably they didn't know all that much about scripture, and so and and we don't know about the Capernaum synagogue, so we don't know what kind of an education these guys had. They would have spoke decent business Greek. Mm-hmm. Everybody had to speak some Greek, and theirs because of dealing with the Romans every single day. They, they brought in a catch. Uh, they would have had a, a a good understanding of street business Greek. And also economically, they would have been higher up than like day laborers. They weren't working for a denarius exactly, a day. Exactly. They had a little bit higher standard of living just because they pretty much had a stable income from fishing. Yeah. They weren't rich by any means. Right? No, These weren't. That's no. not how you got rich fishing. But they were at least not, you know, living day to day on no. a denarius a day. And they did well enough that it wasn't a problem for them to take the Sabbath off 
and not go fishing on the Sabbath. Uh, and it's not like their family was going to be in economic jeopardy for that. So um, they could afford to be a little more righteous than the average guy because they could be at synagogue on Saturday. Very good. In, in verse 17, then, it says, Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And that's a real—usually uh, we go, well, duh, they were fishermen, so right, they were so catching fish, now they're going to catch people. Big deal. There's actually a lot loaded into that sentence. Um, you know, he doesn't tell them that I'm going I'm to turn you into shepherds. Uh, in the Old Testament, shepherds were caring and compassionate. They would sacrifice themselves for their sheep. Right. That's Think not of what, Psalms 23, the yeah, Lord is my shepherd, yeah. right? Those kinds of images of the shepherd taking care of his flock. Yes. That's not what, what Jesus is calling <laughs> him to do. Um, he's not calling him to be farmers where you're dependent on God, but you raise up a, a righteous and a holy crop. Farmers in the Old Testament were seen that way. That's not what Jesus asked him to do. He says he's going to make them fishers of men. Well, Throughout the entire Old Testament, fishers of men were associated with uh, bad prophecies about judgment and damnation. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you think about it, fishing doesn't end well for the fish. This doesn't end well for you, friend. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we, we catch them, we kill them, and we eat them. So unlike shepherds or, or farmers, it's not good <laughs> to be the, the, the catch and the focus of a fisherman. Uh, and I've got a couple Old Testament uh, prophets that, the, that I want us to read through real quick just okay. to help me make my point. If you'll look up uh, Jeremiah chapter 16, uh, verses 16 and 17, and I will go to Ezekiel. I've got Ezekiel chapter 29, verse 4, and, and God is speaking through the prophet Ezekiel, and he says, I will put hooks in your jaws and drag you out on the land with fish sticking to your scales. <laughs> and it's a it's a prophecy of judgment and damnation. I'm going to I'm going to catch men like I catch fish, and they are going to be judged and damned to hell. That's what Ezekiel's talking about. So not good for the fish, not good for the people that the fishers of men catch right. in Ezekiel. Uh, you've got it from Jeremiah. And I've got Jeremiah chapter 16, verses 16 and 17. But now I am sending for many fishermen who will catch them, says the Lord. I am sending for hunters who will hunt them down the mountains, hills, and caves. I am watching them closely, and I see every sin. They cannot hope to hide from me. So, uh, in Jeremiah, God is saying, I've sent fishermen to catch you because you, your sins are not hidden from me, and I know what I'm going to do to you. So, uh, when Jesus says to them, hey, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men, if they understood old, the Old Testament prophets very well, they might have gone, no you. thanks. Yeah, no yeah. thanks. <laughs> yeah, it, that could have well been a, uh, wait a minute, I got to think about this right. moment. <laughs> that doesn't work out very well for me. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> That's interesting. I, I, 
like I said, we've talked so much about how terrible it was to be a shepherd and other jobs that I never thought being a fisherman had any bad connotation, connotation until yeah. you tie this together. So, yeah. Ooh, wait a minute. <laughs> doesn't You don't necessarily want to be a, uh, a fisherman in the prophecies. No, you don't. <laughs> and I'm sure there's more cases. We just pull out a couple. Oh, of I've right got now. dozens. I could have, uh, we could have spent the next <coughs> half hour just going through them and talking about them. So it, the entire Old Testament is littered with uh, it's unpleasant to be caught by a fisher of men. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you think, well, maybe they just hadn't ever delved into that, or they never put two and two together. And may said, not have. May know, not have. Yeah. There's, I'm standing there fishing, and you want me to fish for men? Okay, that's yeah. fine. You know, not a, not a big deal. Now, as I'm reading through this, uh, we, we see the calling of four named disciples. Yeah. And we know there's actually 12, but we only call out the the four here. Right. Um, In verses uh, 16 through 18, we we call Simon, who becomes Peter, and his brother Andrew. And when he says, come with me and I'll I'll make you fisher of people. Oh, now we got to go. It says, and they left their nets at once and followed him. Yeah. And then in 19, when he calls John and James, they, they left immediately, leaving their father. Yeah. So why would they just, leave? I mean, it sounds like they just said, oh, got to go. Jesus is here. Right. <laughs> yeah. It sounds really weird because, yeah. you know, you're a, a son, you're, well, maybe not Simon and uh, Andrew, but definitely the, the sons of Zebedee. Yeah. Hey, dad, you yeah. know, you, you're in the family business. You can't just up and go. Right. Um, why would they just leave? Immediately like that. You know, our best guess is this is not, and we know for a fact, that this is not their first encounter with Jesus. Mark makes it sound like Jesus walks up, they've never seen him before, he says, follow me, and they do. That is not what has happened. So you didn't cast a spell on them and no. turn them into zombies and said, come with me. Hello. <laughs> when Jesus is down south in, in Judea, as we said, John the Baptist had disciples. Well, Andrew, Peter's brother, is one of those disciples of John the Baptist. And he's when, when John says, you really need to be following the Lamb of God and not me. You need to be with Jesus. Andrew is one of the ones that says, sure, I will do that. I will transfer my allegiance and go. And we know at some point, Peter heads down south and tells Andrew, uh, you're part of a two-man fishing crew, and it's not right. working out well without you. You need to get back north now. And and Andrew says, but there's this guy you need to meet. You got to meet this Jesus. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they meet in the south. So when Jesus comes north, he's, it's not the first time he's spoken with either Peter or Andrew. And we know that this doesn't happen on his first day in Capernaum. Jesus establishes a, a ministry headquarters out of Capernaum. Uh, and, and because of Matthew and Luke, we know he spent several months walking the shoreline, pr- healing and preaching. Mm. He does a miracle, and then you got to listen to the sermon. Right. And that, that attracts huge crowds. And since he's on the shoreline day after day, Peter and Andrew, who already knew him, certainly would have re-engaged with Jesus again. Absolutely. Uh, during that time. And so, they've had discussions prior to this point about you really need to come into ministry with me. Day's going to come when you're going to have to make a choice and uh, you're going to have to follow me or not. And and they've had these discussions for quite a while. Peter tells us about the day that Jesus actually walks up and says, it's today. 
What are you going to do? It's today. And so the impressive part is they chose Jesus. Right. They, they got out of the boat and went with Jesus. Is it kind of the same story for John and James? We assume so because they have a much different situ- – well, they have a slightly different situation. Theirs is a bigger, uh, wealthier company. They have employees. That was a really rare thing. It says Zebedee was left in the boat with the employees. Mm-hmm. So we know that Zebedee's business is making a lot more money than the average fish fisher family out there. Uh, and in almost certainly, James and John would have inherited that business. Zebedee doesn't throw a big temper tantrum. And so the only thing we can assume is they also had spent time walking and talking with Jesus along the shoreline and had expressed to their father, at some point, he's going to ask us to go into ministry. Dad, what do you think we ought to do? And apparently, Dad agreed. You, This would be a good thing to do. He believed Jesus was the Messiah. So James and John would have, doesn't appear, had any conflict with their father with leaving. So it must have been because of that pre-existing relationship. Yeah, I'm sure news travel faster on the, the shoreline. Oh, it would have You know, to. the yeah. big crowds and, you know, you'd be out in the boat. You can kind of, hey, let's kind of sail over there and see what's going on over yeah, there, right? Yeah, So there's 50 boats fishing in the same you area. You know, people but, screaming like, he just healed a yeah. lame guy. He just healed a blind guy. He just healed a leper. Yeah, you're going to get out of the boat and investigate that. Absolutely. And and if if you can validate the stories, if you knew the lame guy that got healed, that's going to have a big impact on you then when Jesus says, hey, Next couple months, I'm going to ask you to go with me. You know, if, if you knew the person the miracle had happened to, you'd, you'd be a lot more likely, I think, to go, we should probably do this. We should probably go. Very true. There's something really interesting that is, is a part of that. Peter and Andrew immediately left their nets and followed him. Uh, James and John immediately leave their father and follow him. Uh, And it's not the immediate that I'm so focused on because we know they had a pre-existing relationship. It's the left part that uh, that I want to focus on for a second. Mark in his gospel does a thing, we call it bracketing. And we talked about this just a little bit last week. Jesus's ministry begins at his baptism, and it ends when he dies on the cross. And Mark in only those two places, uses the word schizo, the Greek word schizo, for ripped. The sky is ripped open when uh, God speaks and the, and the Holy Spirit comes down to Jesus. And then when Jesus dies on the cross, the veil in the holy temple is schizo. It is ripped. So Jesus's ministry is bracketed at the beginning by ripped and at the end by ripped. It's mm-hmm. the only time Mark uses that word. Interestingly, with the disciples, he does the same thing. Uh, This is the first time disciples are called, and they immediately left. Uh, The word, the Greek word is aphentes, and Mark only uses that in one other place. When Jesus is arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane and the soldiers show up, the apostles all left Jesus immediately. They all aphentes Jesus in the garden. So the only two places Mark uses that word is bracketing their discipleship, the day they're called and the last day they see Jesus alive. The entirety of their ministry is bracketed by that word. Whoa! 
are there other? I don't want to go, want you to go into them, but are there other interesting? <laughs> yes, there are instances, instances of bracketing yes, in Mark. Okay, there there will be more bracketing to come. <laughs> okay, don't don't leave me hanging. No, no, don't leave me hanging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd only read the Book of Mark, yeah, you would only see four called. Does he call the others? In, does he call them out when he calls them, or is it just? Yeah, I when you get to, uh, to Matthew, yeah, I see that. In, in chapter up. three of Mark, we're going to talk about all 12. Okay. So Mark will eventually get around to acknowledging uh, the others. But remember, it's Peter's gospel. And right. He, and, and, and this is kind of a me and my buddy Fisherman were the first one. All right. First place. Yes, we got. We got uh, uh, a tax collector later, and we got a zealot later, and we got these other guys. But we were the first. We were the important ones. That's right. right. And <laughs> Peter and John seem to have this constant yeah. um, one-upsmanship with each other. Yes, they do. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Okay, so is there anything else interesting about this little pericope? This Those are the section? things that, that grab me about these five verses, about the calling of the, the first disciples. Okay. Um, have you given this sermon a title yet? Yeah, I'm calling it Immediately-ish. <laughs> Because, yes, Jesus calls them and they immediately follow, but there was a year of preparation before that happened. So <laughs> it was immediate, kind of. <laughs> Immediately-ish. Yes. Okay. And so where are we going next week? Next week, uh, we're going to go into an exorcism. Mark, the Gospel of Mark, really wants to lay out the battle between good and evil so that you cannot miss Jesus is the champion of good. Okay. Um, I have a bad dad joke for okay. you. What do you call a line of men waiting to get haircuts? I a, don't know. A barbecue. <laughs> and with that, I think we better end this episode. This is Ken Corkins and Rocky Elson reminding you to love God and be nice to people. Thanks for tuning in. You can find us at www.pondergmc.org. There, you can watch our live stream services, listen to replays of Rocky Sermons, and find other interesting information about us. This has been Pondering the Bible. <laughs>